Welcome to Thinking Vitamins, the podcast that helps you think about what you think about. I'm your host, Jill McCabe, and my mission is to help you use the power of thought to create purposeful prosperity. I came to understand the power of thinking after an accident nearly took my life. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me until it was the best. The recovery period gave me time to explore how my thinking had limited me. I knew I had to change my thoughts to change my reality, but shifting my thinking was challenging. That's when I came up with the idea of thinking vitamins, intentionally repeating empowering ideas until they come to you automatically. Have you experienced a turning point driven call to purpose in your life? Are you curious about how you can think your way to more joy and prosperity? Join me as I interview inspiring thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who share fresh ideas that empower us to create joyful and fulfilling lives. Tune in now and remember, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss new episodes. Lisa, thank you so much for coming and joining me today on this super important topic of saying yes, saying yes to life, saying yes to what we want, saying yes to all the good stuff. Showing up for ourselves, right? Showing up for ourselves. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Thinking Vitamins to talk about something that has been a personal challenge for me, which is the topic of self care. We hear so much about self-care, all the things we should do. We know we need to do it. We know we have to take care of ourselves to look after others. We know, we know, we know, and yet we do not do. And you have made it your business to help people do. I would love for you to talk about how you went from business development consultant, and you're still doing that, to spending a lot of your time helping us care for ourselves. The shortest story that I could say is that I started my business in 1994 from the corner of my one bedroom apartment with not a clue and not a business plan. And my idea was, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to over deliver on every promise I make because why don't people just do what they say? Where's the accountability? And that was 1994. And then I became a mother I became a mother a second time and a third time and no maternity leave is self-employed. And there's only so much time in the day. And there's a certain point where you feel like, oh, I'm doing so much and I'm doing it all like maybe 18%. Like I'm not doing anything particularly well, right? Sitting in my office and doing consults with incredible purpose-driven entrepreneurs, like the most incredible people. And Every single one of them had something in common. They were able to show up. They were able to give. They were able to run these businesses against all odds and find success in whatever way that was or not yet, but they were burnt out or they were headed towards burning out. And then I started to recognize, oh, I can't help them. I identify the same way, like the same stuff in myself as a mother and working and the shoulding. We can discuss people saying, you should really do this. You should really meditate. That would help. And it's like, meditate? I can't even sit still. My brain is on being creative. Creativity is my therapy. I don't want to turn it off. 
And then you just get to a point where you stop and you're like, I'm going to call bullshit on my bullshit and I need to start taking care of myself. And as I've done in my business and everything that I do is as I learn something that is really critical and an aha moment in my own life, I bring that forward into my business because I think everything's connected. So I am still doing the business consulting, but I realize that as entrepreneurs or purpose-driven humans, we give, 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 and sometimes we don't have the boundaries to actually make sure that we can ask for, that we can receive, that we can offer that same care to ourselves so that we can show up and even like give more and have more success in our purpose. That was a great story. I have taken lots of notes and you bring up a topic that I'm working on in the book that I'm writing right now, which is this concept of receiving so that people do good and make good happen. I love that you said I called bullshit on myself. Noticing here I am providing all this advice and how am I doing? And then noticing through your business development work with clients that this was a big thing that they've needed. And I totally get it. I've noticed the same thing in my work that this receiving piece is huge. So there's a few things I take about giving and receiving and I'd love your take on them, Lisa. First of all, can we truly be good at giving if we can't receive? Like if I can give, but not receive, well then who am I giving to? Is it someone else who's a giver who can't receive? Do we think there's those of us who love to give and those people are just take, take, take? Maybe our ability to receive actually affects our ability and the quality of our giving. Well, one word comes to mind and it's something I harp on a lot with everything is reciprocity. So if you think of everything, right, everything's a circle, everything's going back. We could talk about karma, we could talk about payables and receivables. Everything has to balance somewhere, no matter what dimension of wellness we're talking about. That could be physical, it can be, you know, nature balances itself out. So nature has all those answers. So no, I don't think we can really give from that honest, true part that then fuels us again, if we're not starting by taking care of ourselves. And boy, that's been a whole lot of hard work, not just for me, but for helping others start their own journey of that realization. It's a really big deal, especially as you say, as givers. If you're a real giver and you're purpose-driven, you're amazing at showing up and giving and supporting each other. But we don't ask. That's a practice in itself. I agree completely. We need to ask for what we need, what we want, what we desire, and we deserve it. I think this point about being purpose-driven, this purpose-driven prosperity, which is this desire, this hunger to give almost and not receive, and yet we know that people are more likely to do as we do than do as we say. And so again, just coming back to, I called my own bullshit. It's so easy to get online and say, do all this stuff and then not do it. You brought up some things in your book. Say yes, if not now, then when practical self-care, doable stress relief and optimistic thoughts to boost your wellness intelligence. Over the last couple of years, I, just like many of your clients, am better at giving than receiving. I was working with several people, different professions, coaches, healers, doctors. One after the other, I was told, 
Jill, you gotta take better care of yourself. And I went, okay. I would spend several months doing additional things and they'd say, Jill, you have to take better care of yourself. And I think, well, I have been. I guess that wasn't enough. And then I go on and I do more. I just have to cut you off for a second because you just said that word enough. That's one of the things that doesn't really belong in self-care. I think it's a practice. And I think what we're doing is always enough. And I think where we are right now, it's about how do we do something better as a perpetual cycle, as that sort of reciprocity, that giving back, where it's like, nothing's ever going to be enough. But if that's what we sink into in terms of language, we're always going to be not enough. We're really, we're doing everything we can right now. But now it's going to be another opportunity for the next moment. So what can we do? And you said, and I saw this person and I saw this person, I saw this person. You have two choices in that case, right? You get overwhelmed with the not enough. Like it's never enough. It's never enough. Or you go, wow, there's so many different ways we can take care of ourselves. There's always another avenue. It's not like, oh, I, I can't stand yoga. So I'm not going to do any movement. There's so many different kinds of movement and so many ways to show up for that movement. Oh, I don't like the gym. Okay. Do you like a playground? Do you like your couch? Can you exercise at your desk? There's so many ways to move. And then there's so many ways to breathe. If you don't like meditation, there's so many ways. I could prove to anybody that they can like meditation. So it's amazing that you saw so many different people. Over the course of a couple of years, right, there was breaks in between. And I'm sure listeners have experienced people who look at them somber and concerned and say, you need to prioritize self-care. Almost like everything was at stake. And if I looked at what I'd been doing, I'm like, I have been prioritizing self-care a lot. So I would find it really perplexing. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm eating better. Oh yeah, I'm moving more. Oh yeah, I'm taking more time outside. And yet I would work with someone and they'd layer it on and say, well, yeah, it's not enough. <laughs> or they'd look at me sort of almost doubtful. And I'm thinking, I've cut back my work week <laughs> to a handful of hours to make time for this. And the truth is that's helped me do better work. It was just interesting. Your point about enough is well taken. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you on the podcast, because I think you have a very enlightened way of thinking about self-care. I love your little doable things. You mentioned a moment ago, anyone can meditate. You talk about unmeditation quite a bit in your book, Say Yes. What is unmeditation? You said earlier about you have to embody your own work with your clients, right? Like, is it a scam? Is it imposter syndrome? Like, can I teach something that I'm not practicing myself? My clients would be like, if it's so easy to blog, why don't you blog? I was like, well, I'm not a blogger. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to rise to the challenge. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to do this as well. So I started an unblog, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, whenever that was. When I started with meditation, my story about meditation is that I said, I can't meditate like many people. I have monkey mind. I'm meant to be creative, but I'm not going to be still when I'm awake kind of thing. Like it just doesn't work for me. Also, I'm super uncomfortable sitting in Lotus. Like I can't stand that like seated stillness. And someone said to me, well, why don't you just lie down? I was like, oh, what? 
and I lay down and I was like, oh my goodness, this is such a gift to get up from your desk where you're sitting and get down on the floor has its movement benefits, natural movement. And then to lie down, I'm talking 30 seconds, not 45 minutes and connect to your breath. That's like the most powerful thing that you could possibly do. Whether you're stressed and need to unwind or dump something from a call or a session, or just to find your ground and to center yourself. And so it became this like unmeditation, meaning it's like, it's just, I, labels have such, um, yeah, you use air quotes, right? It's like, what is a label? Labels are for tin cans. I don't do tin cans. It's like, you know, I write a column every single Monday that's not all blank is created equal. Not all matcha is created equal. To understand that some's tested for lead and it's truly healthy and some is matcha that somebody co-packed and put into a thing and has lead and it's not had any testing. But our intention as a consumer when we go out is good. We're going to drink matcha. That's going to be healthy for us because we've heard that much is healthy. Not all is created equal. Not all honey is created equal. It's very different, right? Not all websites are created equal. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. So it's just labels get us into trouble. So every time you see an un, it's like unmeditation. It's like, just don't bring the preconceived notions with it. Don't bring your, I can't bring the, fine, Lisa, fine, challenge me. I bet you can't and I'll rise to that occasion if you do kind of thing. And it's on meditation. Let's find a way for stillness and connection to breath that isn't going to prove that you don't like that app or I can't sit still. I love that. So listeners, we can just get up off of our chair, lie down and connect to our breath. That's how simple it can be. We're bent all day long in our chair in this 90 degree angle. And even for the hips and for the legs, just for your body to feel what that's like. It's so cool. Now that's one that's new to me. And what's interesting is years ago, I had one of my clients was a spiritual healer and meditation teacher. And one of the programs that I helped her develop and put out was on situational meditation. And we went through easily north of 10 types of meditation, some that you can do with your eyes open while you drive, which is Correct. something I've taught many of my clients because entrepreneurs are on the move and they like to <laughs> zoom around. And it was like, fine, you can meditate while you're zooming around. That was really eye-opening for me. And like you, that label of meditation, of sitting in the lotus position and oh you know, fingers and whatever that can be crazy making. And yet that label is not really accurately portraying the variety <laughs> that's available in matcha or websites or meditation. You know? Right. And you bring up something about sitting. What changed my life? Like is, you know, I'm sure so many people listening to this can equate. If you have a desk job and you are a passion driven, purpose-driven entrepreneur. I don't know about you, but I can actually sit here for 30 hours and not sleep, move, eat. And I'm so happy, right? So I never thought it's like, if I'm happy, then everything's good, right? No, no, there's still care involved. So I realized it's like, oh, if I drink water, if I drink enough water and actually hydrate, I have to go to the bathroom, which means I have to get up. 
that's where I was. And so that's what I say to people. Why am I qualified to teach this? Oh, because I was the worst at this. And I'm just sharing my discoveries and I go all in. I've tried for years and years, all different things. So one of the programs I teach is called exercise snacking. And it's exactly as it sounds. And you talk about sitting. I call it like dead butt syndrome and gluteal amnesia, our hips. It's a problem. And if you can actively sit, yes, there's standing desks, but then we're standing still. And yes, there's treadmill or whatever you're going to do on moving, but then we're only moving in a linear way. So going back to your original thing of seeing all these people, you intuitively were seeing all different people. We often get stuck in a rut where we do something that is good. It is truly good. It is truly self-care. It is truly positive for us, but it's not wide enough. There's not enough scope. There's not enough variety within it. So exercise snacking is for people, you don't need gym clothes. Same as meditation can be stacked into your day where you don't need different clothes, a different space. You don't need to go to the gym. As you said, you can do it driving. You can do it while you are making dinner for the kids. You can do it in the morning, setting your day up. When I come back from the bathroom, before I sit down, I'll do some lunges. Or I'll sit down on the floor and get back up again a couple of times. Or I'll do some helicopters. Like I stack that in and I stole that, not stole, borrowed from Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about stacking habits. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So my self-care, unmeditations, exercise snacks are all things that I teach my clients how and when to stack in their day. Just because you mentioned James Clear and Atomic Habits, that you learned it from him. And what he shared is based on decades of behavioral science, which is also my background and what I studied. So when I read that book, a book that I loved, I didn't really read anything new. And this is something that's really important. I think it is incredibly important for people like James Clear and, and anyone out there who is looking at why do we have decades of research that show us how to be healthier and a world that isn't healthier. And so we need people to continue writing about these things. They're not new. So you didn't steal from him. He didn't steal it from behavioral science. We're meant right. to share this good news. That's what, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just crediting. It was this, it was an aha moment for me. You talk about again, receiving it's, I just need my company to be successful. I just need to get this done every day. I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to move more. I don't have time to eat snacks that are healthy. And it was like, when I read that about stacking habits, that's that behavioral science that you have a background. I have a background in a degree in French and 30 years of doing what I do. So I don't have that science background. I was like stacking habits. That's the language that I can convince anybody because my job is convincing people, right? Like telling a story and it's, I just want to be compelling, which is like, what are you doing when you're boiling water in the morning or boiling water for a pot of pasta? Can you balance on one foot when you're brushing your teeth? Can you do a mobility squat when you're answering three texts? So if I actually can teach the mobility squat in under two minutes and convince someone that they can do that stacked into their day, I have a hundred percent success rate. I 
love it. Okay, so I'm looking at the time. I definitely want to get a couple of things in here before we let the lucky listeners know that there is a way to get all of this for free. <laughs> Talk to me about the helicopter. The helicopter is something that you do. It's basically a spinal twist. It is something that you do often in yoga. You might do it in a cool down after weights. It's taught in Qigong. It's taught in Tai Chi. It's our whole nervous system, right? Everything's in your spinal cord, your brain, your gut, everything's connected. Also, if somebody actually grabbed your shoulders nicely, like they were going to give you a massage and you're like, you have that reaction, which is like, oh, we almost don't realize how much stress we carry. So when we say we're stressed, it's sort of like saying I'm thirsty. You're like way past the point of dehydration when you're already saying you're thirsty. So standing up and doing the helicopter, I always say it's like, it's a way of unwinding. It's a visualization of being a helicopter, letting everything go. And then there's all the physical benefits of actually mobilizing your spine and letting all this tension and stress and brain dump. Like how many times you have to just let everything go and you can do the helicopter in 10 seconds. If you love how it feels, you can do it for 30 seconds or a minute, but it's not metrics. Nothing I do is metrics driven. So if we let those metrics go, right, where you bring back enough, like you said, what's enough? Everything starts with one. Just do it for a little bit. Do it for a little bit. Assess if it's something you want in your toolbox. I think everybody loves the helicopter um, because it feels good and it's easy to do and it's just you know, standing up. So easy. It's standing up, keeping your feet hip width apart, keeping your hips stable and just, what do you do with your arms? It's like twisting. You're just standing to the side and you're just. Oh, you're just throwing your arms from side to side. Beautiful. Like a helicopter. And depending on what you believe, right? You're you're changing the energy all around you. We all walk with, you know, with our auras, our energetic field matters too. So stirring up good energy just depends on what you connect to. Some people can take that as an energetic exercise snack. Some people can take it as something very physical. Some people will feel it emotionally and it doesn't matter. It's not my job to impose that on you. It's your job to, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Is it something you want to bring into your toolbox in your day? I really like your perspective on enough, do just one, and how does it make you feel? There's no shoulds here. This is a practice. It's not like I got to some point, but how I got beyond the, you should really do more self-care, Jill. The learning and lesson that got me beyond that we have not explicitly talked about it. However, you have been talking about it the entire time. And I do want to bring explicit language to this because it was about being present. And the biggest breakthrough I think I had was grounding. Grounding into a moment, which again, we haven't labeled it as that, but that's what we've been talking about. You've been talking about actively sitting actively brushing your teeth. I know in conversations we've had privately, it's about 
enjoying that coffee and being mindful of what you consume. That lying down on the ground was about just taking a moment to connect. And for me, that was one of the most profound lessons that I really got was just to stop, plant two feet down, look straight ahead, empty my head and just feel the earth beneath my feet. And you know, I do the tree thing where I feel connected down into the earth, but that moment where I'm actually just getting here has changed the way I do a lot. I feel that has been silently informing many of the things you've said. Do you want to speak to grounding at all? Absolutely. I mean, grounding is a huge practice for me, right down to practicing standing on nails, which somebody would listen to and be like, what? That's crazy. It's like, yeah, if I was told that seven years ago, I'd be like, I'm not going to stand on nails. Thanks. I'll pass. And now I think the key is if you're present in the moment, you know, you talk about coffee, coffee's not good or bad. I would say, okay, my lessons in empathy economics, not all coffee is created equal. What is your relationship with coffee? What kind of coffee are you drinking? It's not good or bad. No one should, right? As you're saying, take it away from you. You can ground yourself while you're drinking coffee. It's essentially what people are doing. They just think it's like, get the coffee in so I can cope with this day and wake up. But if you can slow your language down and change your language to change your relationship with coffee, that can be your version of being a tree. And that's why somebody who it's like, that doesn't resonate with me being a tree. Someone else is like, I want to learn Jill's protocol on that. So it's not, I want to learn Lisa's protocol. It's what do you do for grounding? It's like, here's so many ways to approach grounding. Like, what do you do in your day that feels good and, or doesn't feel good? And how can we change that? So your relationship with it is different. And that I think is the biggest grounding exercise there is. Of course, I would say to everyone, it's like, if you're not going barefoot and standing on the ground outside barefoot, you're missing a huge grounding opportunity that is something that I do every day, even in the winter in Toronto. Although I try and skip the winter in Toronto. That's a different episode. But I think there's also the relationship with everything you're doing and being present for that, as you said. And it's just a different practice. It's how to access that in everybody as a unique individual. Oh, Lisa, I could talk to you for hours about this. I think your perspective on saying yes versus not what you should do. <laughs> no, you're not doing enough, not measurement, but no, say yes to what feels good. Say yes to what serves you. Let's unmeditate. Let's un should. Let's un un un. And let's just say yes to, to you that feels good. So first of all, listeners, Lisa's book, Say Yes, Practical Self-Care, Doable Stress Relief, and Optimistic Thoughts to Boost Your Wellness Intelligence is a fun, colorful, bright, vibrant book. It's snack size. You can open up a page or two and get an idea and close it. It's not a should book. It's a fun book to have. But more than that, and I think something really critical is that Lisa has created a wellness intelligence collective. And this is a very special place. We know we live in a world where we spoke of behavioral science a minute ago, 
behavioral science is the science where people use mechanisms to keep you addicted. And I'm sure it won't come as a surprise for you to learn that it's behavioral and science that informs Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all of these online communities that suck you in. They're using science to do that, to keep you there. And they are not healthy. Just seeing a bunch of posts, you know, you know what you should do and like all of these memes and things like that, they don't actually make us healthier. And Lisa, I just want to say thank you for creating a community that does make us healthier by scrolling. Lisa, completely as a passion project, has created the Wellness Intelligence Collective, a place where you can go online and scroll and learn a variety of things and get inspiration about the things you want to say yes to. Lisa, can you tell them any more about it? Where can they come find you? I think everybody who listens to this needs to join right now. I hope you do because anything that you can do alone, you can do better in a community of like-minded humans. And over the years, we've all gathered there. And my goal was to be not algorithm-based. Thank you, Jill, um, for saying what you did. It is, it's an antidote to what we see elsewhere. There are no algorithms. There are no pop-up ads. It's not for sale. It's my stuff that I'm praying and hoping that I can share with others so they can feel good. I want to make scrolling good for you. It's thewellnessintelligencecollective.com. And when you request to join, the only reason why there's a request to join is I make sure that everybody is human. It's sort of like entering a conference. You have to fill out some paperwork. Please just use Jill's name if you just put Jill McCabe as a referral so I know. And when you come in, I will welcome you. You will be in the middle of a place you probably haven't seen before. There is a little bit of a learning curve. It is worth the 15 minutes. It is worth the 15 minutes. I really believe it. There's exercise snacks. There's a self-care studio. There's every Monday a lesson in empathy economics. There's interviews that are written so you can consume them quickly, including one with Jill. And it's, it's a fun place to spend a little bit of time. There's joy in spending time in this. There's no wellness washing. There's no shoulds. So I hope to see everybody there. Me too. Listeners, I look forward to seeing you in the Wellness Intelligence Collective. I am a member and this is a community where the life that you want to live becomes more possible than ever before. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Let's all learn to ask and receive a little more, right? That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm.